Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAF Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everyone. We are live here at Mav Sports Take, episode 73. We are live here on Twitter, on YouTube, and on Facebook Bringing you unmuzzled sports talk. Oh, and TikTok. I almost forgot about TikTok. <laughs> Bringing you the unmuzzled sports talk. The uh, business of sports is what we are focusing on here. Ryan Roberts, an 18-year scouting vet across the NFL, CFL, and through Shooter for the League Championships with the Arizona Rattlers, Mr. David Turner. Tonight, we're going to talk about some of the latest happenings in round the National Football League. Playoffs are kicked off this past week. A lot of action. A lot of... Weird things going in the uh, coaching circles already. Want to get into a bit of that. And then at 8.30 Eastern time, if you are joining us live, we will be bringing on Gino Camilleli as well as Mike Riddleman, both members of the College Gridiron Showcase staff. Want to kind of just do a quick review, quick um, you know ass- assessment of how the event was, the 2022 version of the College Gridiron Showcase. Put a wrap to it because we are about to be fresh into NFL draft season, David, which I know you can't. I mean, you're just like chomping at the bit right now to break up, break down some players. Before we get into that, though, before I introduce my great and and, and esteemed co-host, <laughs> would you be a parent of a high school athlete trying to make it to the next level? If you answered yes, Don't choke on the words. Secure coach. That was your fault. Not why not secure <laughs> coaching for them from an expert here at Maverick Sports Consulting. We work with high school athletes of all sports to create a strategy for the recruitment process. With limited scholarships given each and every year, having a pointed recruiting plan helps our clients secure the opportunities to play collegiate sports. We focus on your transcripts, your film, leadership, and more to set your goals and create pathways to get to them. Whether you're looking to attend an SEC school or Slipper Rock University, we can support your efforts to get to those goals for 2022. Contact us at MaverickSportsConsulting.com today. I was interrupted during that fantastic ad read by my good friend and esteemed <laughs> colleague, David Turner. David, uh, owner of Maverick Sports Consulting, by the way. If people didn't know out there, uh, Maverick Sports Take, you get it, you get it. David, how are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing well, bro. I'm doing well. It's uh, It's been an interesting two weeks already with the NFL and, and big-time college football, almost a month of it. So I think it's going to be fun tonight to just kind of chop it up with a, and recap some of this news and some of the stuff going on, um, as well as, you know, get touch base with Mike and, and the guys you got coming on tonight for um, to recap the College Gridiron Showcase, because like you just indicated, you know, we're in the thick of it. We got NFL PA game coming up. We got East West Shrine. We got Senior Bowl. We got lots of stuff coming up. Uh, Hula Bowl to talk about and get some standouts for and everything. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, no, nah, it's going to be awesome. We got Mike and Gino coming on. They might break our knuckles after we uh, talk to them for a little bit, you know, break our legs or. Oh, uh, please. You know, come on now. Italian joke. But yeah, anyway, so we appreciate everybody out there for being 
interacting with us each and every week and continuing to support. Before we get into our first topic, would request if you can, if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, please hit a subscription, please leave a review. We would really appreciate it. Five stars is it just would be a great way to continue to kick off our 2022 year. If you are on YouTube, hit that hit that little bell, that that, uh, that notification bell, right? Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And as always, we appreciate you submit some questions. We love the interaction, whether it's live or if you want to send us send us a question, um, we will be more than happy to answer it. David. We're going to kind of leave this one open because there's a lot of different topics that we can get to. I mean, I mean, before we were, before we were starting here, folks, we were talking like, you know, we can recap some games. We can talk about some of the latest drama across the coaching searches. So I wanted to leave it up to each one of us. You know, we're going to kind of do a what stuck with us this past week. Okay. Cause I tell you, I have one that I am very passionate about that I texted David about immediately as it happened, but I'm going to give David the opportunity because we're going to do age before beauty. So David, my friend, what stuck with you this week? You know, what stuck with me this week was a conversation I heard, not even on a sports program. It was on a political program I was watching. And um, Brian Kelly, who we all know, I don't like. I'm not a big fan of Brian Kelly, right? Um, he got a hundred million dollar contract by a state institution in the in the state of Louisiana, which is one of our most um, one of our poorest states in the union. Okay, and um, he's he, he basically got a hundred million dollar contract, and that breaks down for the life of his contract to about twenty four thousand dollars and some odd change. Well, the ward, the area where LSU is located, the medium income in that ward is only $24,678. So the people and where he will be coaching and which surrounds the LSU area there in Baton Rouge is a very poor area. And yet this man's going to be working in that area and making the median income for that area every day he goes to work. And now get understand this isn't a private institution, and I under I do understand being in football as long as I've, I'm been in it. Shoot, been in it almost twenty years now, right? That you have to pay for certain excellence of coaching, of you know staffing, everything else. So I get I get it, but at LSU they just found twenty one million dollars to pay out Ed Orgeron, yeah, and they just found a hundred million dollars to pay Kelly. But in 2020 and 21, they were asking people to take pay cuts in order to keep their jobs on the university campus. And they were saying that they couldn't pay people. They had to lay people off because they couldn't find the money. But then to go make a big splash in the coaching pool, they found the money to pay Brian Kelly. And again, I, I'm not a Brian Kelly fan. I think he's going to fail. I think in two years from now, this contract's going to look like crap down there. Um. And there was a legitimate candidate in the state that was tied into all the recruiting trails and everything that wound up and ended up going to the University of Florida. Billy and Napier. he was yeah. go ahead, say it again. Billy Napier. Yes. yes. And he was at the University of Louisiana. <clears throat> he could have came right up the road. You could have probably had him for what do you think, Brian? 50, 70 million? I mean, I, I I'm gonna look up how he how much he got from Florida. 
coming from Louisiana Lafayette, like, do you even think he'd be that much? Do you think he would demand that much? I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up what his what his contract is. Look up what he market. what he's making. But I would say for yeah. like around fifty, you you could have definitely got him, if sure. not less. Okay, yeah. and then you already paying out Orgeron. And then if that's, that didn't work out for a year or two, whatever it may be, you have a yeah. lot less to pay out in your upfield. But, no, you want to make the big splash. So in the big splash, you go find the money. You make the impact with the hire, who I think is going to be terrible. All right? And then once you do that, you know, you're on the hook. That's guaranteed money. You owe this man $100 million. But then as a state-run institution, you got to now turn to those people paying taxes Saying so, you know, a big portion of your tax money is going to pay this football coach. So, I and I have know. a problem with that. I really yeah. do. I, you know, I think a lot of state-run institutions that where their football program does bring in good money, I get it, but still, they have a twenty-eight million dollar locker room. They, you gotta, you gotta start reining in some of this spending and put it in the perspective of where we're at in an economy and a society around these football around these football stadiums around these campuses and where these kids live um you know it's just rain it in a little bit you know i don't think it all has to be equal and fair but rain it in a little bit yeah i have the numbers for you david i had the numbers i just did some math too per year so billy napier is now with flow so for context i think brian kelly got 10 years 100 million right so he's making 10 mil a year average annually obviously some years are gonna be more than others Billy Napier is now at the University of Florida for $51.8 million, so good call on your part, for seven years. So he would average out to $7.4 million per year. So a little less than $3 mil a year on average. Brian Kelly is getting more, and then he also has the extra three years, so he has a little more of – I don't know if you would call that – uh, just a buffer, like because I, I mean, he's probably not gonna make 10 years, right? Isn't he in the 60s already? He's probably not, gonna dude. Kelly ain't making three, he's gonna go uh, there, he's gonna he fail, really and they're well. gonna follow him, they're gonna fire him, and they're gonna try to hire the guy that they should have hired from Florida to come over who's gonna take all those Louisiana kids over to Florida and they're gonna win with them. FYI, just, our girl Double D, our yeah. girl Double D's on, on, on our Figures. live feed, yeah, she's on our live feed. All right. So I, 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 my point was that if everything goes really well for Brian Kelly, I don't think he's going to see the end of the contract was my point. So no, he ain't like seeing nothing. Or... He's going to see the bottom of the bayou is all he's going to see. All right. Uh, so let's hit the layers on this one, Dave, because I think it is an interesting conversation. Okay. So obviously Billy Napier has done a great, did a great job at Louisiana, right? Like that is, I mean, I think they went 12 and one this year and Obviously, that's the ultimate developer of football, and I hear that he is a guy that not as much X's and O's type of strategic type of minds, but he's a developer. He's a guy that represents the institution well, and he develops players. So they don't get a lot of – I mean, obviously, they're not pulling in four-star kids. You know what I mean? Like they're pulling in like two, three stars and Juco kids, like that type of – that's kind of their formula for success, and they've done really well in that area. Um so to your point, they're right down the road. They're in the state of Louisiana. But I I will say that because this is me, right? Like me knowing the things I know about Brian Kelly and just kind of being subjected to him, Billy Napier would be a more attractive hire to me. But when you're talking about selling a program being to the highest level, Brian Kelly would be a more attractive hire in the sense that he's won more 
at bigger institutions, right? Like coming from Notre Dame where he did turn, I mean, cause let's call it what it is at Notre Dame, man. Like let's call it right. Haven't won a championship since 1988 since Lou Holtz. We're talking about Bob Davey. We're talking about the Pat great Tyler Lou Willingham. Holtz. Well, Oh, the great hall of fame, Lou Holtz. I wasn't disrespecting Lou Holtz. I'm saying since Lou Holtz left when the, that was the golden age of Notre Dame. Last time it was the golden age. We've had Bob Davey. We've had Tyrone Willingham. We've had Charlie Weiss. Disaster, disaster, disaster. Notre Dame was not in a good place when Brian Kelly took over. And to his credit, the only credit I'll give him, he did get it turned around in the sense that it was became a consistent winning football team. They're winning 10, 11, 12 games, making playoff runs. Okay. So I do think that his they're, resume. Hold on. They're not making is, playoff runs. They got a padded schedule. No, no, they're getting in. No, and he's getting his ass whooped every stop. time they're in the damn playoffs. Stop. Because he's got no speed on the team, and well, he's always getting run by. I'm so, not arguing. Look, they, Notre Dame got to this level. <laughs> Notre Dame got to this level. They need to be up at this level in the in the realistically to compete. I agree. When they play the best of the best in college football, they cannot compete. They did not. They did not compete under Brian Kelly. No argument there. But let's not do the padded schedule thing because the big thing about Notre Dame is that they can play a national schedule. They're not playing cupcakes like some of these some of these Alabama foes where they're playing Charleston Southern and they're playing these FCC cupcakes in between a couple difficult games and the Vanderbilts of the world. All right, so let's chill out on the the cupcake schedule. It's not that's a, that's a cake. That's what we call a farce. You know what a farce is? That's what that is. It's a no, farce. it's a cup. It's cake. a farce. Anyway. So you're, you're getting me off my train of thought here, okay? Can we stick here? Can we stick here? That wasn't hard. Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly has a better resume than Billy Napier, obviously, right? Billy Napier is younger. It's a little more of a gamble, but I do like the upside there. I do love the upside. I don't know if LSU – I don't know if – I don't – so this is my question, though, David. This is my question. If you're Billy Napier, because let's go from the other side. Because okay. obviously there is, there's positives and negatives to both hires, potentially, if it was Napier versus Kelly. If you were Billy Napier, I'm a whatever. I don't know what his actual Louisiana ties are. Obviously, he was at Louisiana Lafayette. I don't know where he's from. I don't know. I don't know any anything about Billy Napier. All right. Would you rather go to LSU or would you rather go to Florida? I'm just asking you. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. That's a subjective question. Which one would you rather go to? Do you feel like a Louis LSU is a more attractive job than Florida? If I'm if I'm the home state guy like he is from Napier, yeah. I stay uh-huh. in state. If they if LSU would match the contract I got in Florida at Florida, mm-hmm. I'd stay in state because all my ties, all the high school coaches, all the people that I've been getting and more are gonna come my way because now I'm at LSU. That's the you know, that's the flagship. Um so it's it's to me, I would say I would stay home and do that. Because your inroads for recruiting are going to be a lot stronger than what they would be going out of state. Now, again, at LSU, you can pull Florida kids over. You can pull Texas kids over. It's a great location, you know, as far as history, rich tradition, Baton Rouge is Baton Rouge, right? Now, again, you get the same thing in Florida. These are two prime jobs. Don't get me wrong. They're two prime jobs. I think anybody is lucky to get either one because they both are rich in, in history. They both have many uh, alumnus and players that have come from there. Obviously, LSU has a few more recent ones than Florida has had. But again, you know, it's just the way it goes, right? 
they both have a ton. So I think recruiting trails, everything is similar. But if I was Billy, I would say I would stay home, you know? Yeah, and that's fair. Um, it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> and, was, and, Double I, D's, I was, and Double D's husband says that Billy's a good coach. So we Billy is a good coach. I, I, I'd say nothing against Billy Napier. I, w- I liked Billy Napier. I heard he was he – was, he was rumored at for the Florida job for a while. Mm-hmm. I went into a couple of Twitter spaces where a couple of Florida insiders were talking about him for like weeks before it happened. So I'm happy for Billy Napier. He did a great job at Louisiana. I have zero. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Um, all right, David, we have a few minutes here. I want to move over to one topic and then we'll see if we can get to a couple maybe after Gino and Mike pop off. Okay. I texted okay. you about this. So I'm going to put it out to everyone real quick. I'm going to be as descriptive as possible. So there was a tweet that came out that said the Houston Texans were interviewing a couple candidates, all right? Interviewing a couple candidates. And I'm very passionate about this, by the way, so I might I might rant on for a couple of minutes. I'll let so, you go. I know you got to get it off your chest. I do, man. The candidates were Lombardi. I forget his first name. Is it Mike Lombardi? No, Mike Lombardi is a different No, guy. Mike's a – Joe Mike's Lombardi? A is it Joe? Joe Lombardi? Joe, yeah. The offensive, the offensive coordinator, coordinator for the Chargers, yeah. yeah. All right, so Lombardi was interviewing for the Houston, Texas job. The other one was Heinz Ward. And the name, obviously, brings back flashbacks. What a great player Heinz Ward was, man. University of Georgia was a quarterback slash player, came to Pittsburgh, and he got every single ounce out of the talent he had. Because let's be honest, a little undersized, not incredibly explosive, but what a dog, man. Great blocker, physical. He really does instill everything that the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of hold as tradition to play Steeler football. Great football player. Very good. Got everything out of it. Love it. Cool. So I see it. And David, I will tell you, the first time that I saw him, that I saw that Pines Ward was coaching was actually earlier in the season. I was watching a Florida Atlantic game. And I saw Heinz Ward on the side. I'm like, oh, cool. What's, what's Heinz Ward doing there? Oh, he's coaching wide receivers. Okay. So he's coaching wide receivers at a Conference USA team. Yeah. Florida Atlantic. All right. And now he's getting interviewed for a head coaching job with the Houston Texans. And I put on Twitter that this is a, no matter who the player is, interviewing a position coach at a university at a college for your head coaching job is a terrible look and let me explain why it's a terrible look let's start here for one okay let's start here the houston texans are a joke of an organization to begin with okay after what they just did to david cully which everyone kind of knew it was going to happen but like it was still awful because i thought david cully got pretty much the most that he could out of that roster because that roster was awful i thought the houston texans had a very good opportunity to go first overall in this in this draft they end up with the third oh they pick. had a really strong opportunity to do that yeah yeah and and i'm like okay so they they uh, outperform honestly i thought david cully did a better job than they I won some did. games they should not even have been in right and and i'm like okay so david cully's gonna be a second year i still don't think he's the guy long term but like but anyway he gets a short end of the stick so now we're interviewing heinz ward and this is where it really gets me upset all right because let's talk about a totem pole for a second, David. Everybody knows a totem pole, right? You work your way up the pyramid. Let's talk about this for a second. Position coach on the college level. Then we go to a coordinator on the college level. Then we go to a head coach on the college level. And then we get to the NFL. A lot of miscellaneous jobs there, right? Analysts and all that good stuff. 
people behind the scenes. Then we go up to position coaches on the NFL level. Then we go to coordinators on the NFL level. Then we go up to head coach at the NFL level. David, how many how many polls did I jump up, just jump up? Was that like seven? Was that like seven or eight <laughs> polls? Was that was that really what it was? And I'm and I'm I'm playfully saying this to say no position coach that is in college football right now is ready to be an NFL head coach. This should be common sense. Let's start there. Let's start with the other part that pisses me off. This stuff pisses me off imminently. We have talked a lot on this show about the ability to get minorities an opportunity to potentially be head coaches. Because right now there is one minority coach in the NFL. That is Mike Tomlin. The only one left right now. Hopefully there's a couple that are filled. There's Byron Leftwich. Eric Bieniemy is a guy that's always thrown out there. There's a couple. Marie Morris came up today. Marie Morris. Morris. There's so there's there is black black coaches. Todd Bowles. Potentially yeah. Yeah, Todd Bowles. There's black coaches that are potentially going to get an opportunity. But at the moment, there is one single coach in the NFL that is a, a head coach that is a minority coach right now. Okay. I and I believe, and I if I'm wrong, I'm wrong on this. I think that this was to fulfill that requirement of Heinz Ward. And if it was, and again, that part is speculation, but I'm telling you right now, this is what pisses me off. If it was, if Heinz Ward was the, was the minority candidate for this position, that is the most joke of a thing I've ever seen in my life. Because there are so many, so many minority candidates that are qualified for this head coaching job or qualified for at least get interviews for this head coaching job. But instead, we ha- we are interviewing a name to hit a requirement. And it's a joke. And I hope every Houston Texan fan out there, I hope that your boy Casario behind the scenes is listening to me. I know he isn't, but if you want to come on, Nick, we can talk about this. I'm sorry, Dave. I don't think Nick's coming there. on this show. <laughs> no, he's definitely not coming on this show. All I'm saying, man, is to get this point across, it is a joke that they just are interviewing a college position coach just because of name to fulfill a requirement to hit the minority thing, right? There are so many good candidates that deserve this opportunity to at least interview for a job, and we're throwing it at a name. It's bullshit, all right? And that is the last vulgar language I'm going to use on this show because you know I don't tend to do that. I do not. Yeah, I can give a fuck. I'll do it all night long. But oh. <laughs> I, do, I, don't, I don't tend to do it, and I hope that people can just hear the passion and the distaste about this because I literally was fuming when I saw this. Because at first I'm like, well, that's silly, right? Like my first thing is like, that's a joke, that's silly. And then you really start like peeling back the layers, and it's just so disrespectful, man. And it's such a joke. It's a joke. I can't quantify it anymore than saying the Houston Texans are a train wreck. They're a dumpster fire. I don't care. I don't care if they win another football game for the rest of their existence. That's how much of a joke this is, David Turner. That's how much. No, I don't disagree with you. I, again, there are too many qualified candidates in the NFL ranks waiting for opportunities um, on personnel <clears throat> and for coaches. And to go to a position coach mm-hmm. at a non-power five school mm-hmm. and give him an opportunity to interview for the head coaching job. Mm-hmm. It's I would rather them have interviewed Dion. 
I'm being honest. I, at least Dion was a head coach at, somewhere. At, right. At least he has head coaching experience. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, yes, like I would have rather have seen Dion's name, and I'd be like, you know what? I don't, I don't like it. But he's I gonna, understand. He's it. not going to get a job, but at least he's like more qualified than a college position coach. <laughs> Just, right. I, I mean, uh, and he's not, and Heinz Ward A is never called to play. And I'm not bashing on Heinz. I've met the guy. The guy's a, a lovely human being. He's a competitive individual. I, I mean, I. I imagine he's a good coach, but again, a leader of men at the NFL level where you have to like manage rosters, situations, game cards, COVID, injuries, all that coming at you. It doesn't sit like you don't look at the resume Hines is as, as, as came up with, and I think that's your point. Like you don't yeah. the, the 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 resume doesn't warrant an interview. And therefore, no. if it's just to meet a requirement, then how seriously are they taking the requirement? And, right. you know, and again, I don't feel the NFL as a whole, as a general, as everybody really feels that they're, the Houston Texans are truly taking that requirement serious at all. And it's a situation where it's really offensive in today's day and age where we, where we sit as a society, a major corporation, a billion-dollar corporation – is not taking the hiring process serious. And we're seeing others that are. I mean, look at the Minnesota Vikings. They they interviewed Catherine, a friend of the show, right? Yeah. I mean, they interviewed Catherine, a friend of the show. Go back to our show last year on the women's panel. She was on. Wonderful individual. Will she get the job? I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I don't know. I think she's a qualified individual. I think I there's say, at, a, least she's, at least she's qualified. Like that's the key there. She's qualified. Right. She's a yeah. she's a qualified individual. And if they wanted a young up and comer to to you know make it happen, regardless of gender, just a young up and comer, right. I could see it because she's got some passion for the game. I've, I, I again, I really like her. You know that she's a dear friend of mine. She's and, bright. Yeah. And she's bright. Yeah. And so I mean, if she got the job, I would be like, you know what? They want a young up and coming GF. Cool. Get her. Let's go. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's a ton of qualified individuals out there that are sitting and waiting for opportunities. And I see some of these names just to meet requirements as maybe an agent trying to get his you know, client noticed, whatever, and the organization is playing ball. But also, I mean, I don't know. I know we're running over time on this a little bit, but I don't know if you saw the I don't know if you saw the um the article, I think it was today or yet. No, it was today on pro football talk uh where casario is in the booth with a headset on listening to the coaches communicate on the headset he should he should just be the head coach man he should just make him the head coach well i'm just sitting here going like and then he and his reasoning was you want to know what the communication is like and blah blah i'm like listen big brother you gotta you gotta trust your hire that he is the right hire to do the job if you don't trust your hire, that means you don't trust yourself. And if you don't trust yourself, then you shouldn't be in the position. Well, he definitely shouldn't be in the position. That's another conversation for a different time. <laughs> well, well, we all know why. I mean, Jack used to be preyed on it, and they had to go get him. Um, you love Jack, but, dude. That's your boy. <laughs> yeah, my head just virtually exploded. Um, so... You know, for me, I'm just like, I'm, I'm over, like I said, in my opinion, as a lot of people here have heard me say before, the NFL needs a two-week hiring freeze postseason. So this would have been week one, no hiring. Coming up, we're at the start of week two. 
It gives everybody an opportunity to to be interviewed except for two teams. Because if you think about it, the first week, those two teams that have bye weeks, their employees can interview. All the teams that got out of the playoffs, didn't make the playoffs, can interview. Then the two te- then the then the I'm sorry, the four teams that just lost, their coaches and people can interview. The only teams that didn't get a chance are the two that won, or the I'm sorry, the four four teams that didn't are the ones that won, and now are playing another week. Right? Those are the so you're pretty much saying out of 32 teams, 28 teams, and their personnel people and their coaches all have a fair opportunity to put a put a put their foot forward and go get interviewed. I don't know how much more fair you can get than doing it that way. There's no rush. It's a hiring freeze. It gives everybody enough time to go forward, do what they got to do, and then hire your GMs and your coaches next week. You know, And again, you can extend it out two days more. So two weeks and two days. So whoever loses this weekend, their coaches and personnel people have a chance to interview at the beginning of next week before hiring starts. What's the damn rush? You don't need to have it all sewed up before – you know, championship weekend, you can let this go. And then that would give teams that play in the Super Bowl a little time to let their coaches interview too. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as it's all done by Super Bowl, you have plenty of time to get your draft prospects in place. You have plenty of time to get your free agent plan in place as long as it's all done by Super Bowl. All right. Well, David Turner for commissioner, man, make it happen. I do have a question though. Before we're about to bring on Mike, talk about not qualified. Holy smokes! Who, Mike? No, that me. Was so mean. <laughs> that <was> so <laughs> Me for commissioner. Holy smokes! Before you I imagine bring... me taking over for Goodell? Talk about culture shock. Holy smokes! Before I bring on Mike and Gino, I have a question for everybody out there. Have you secured any sponsorships with your name, image, and likeness yet? No. What's keeping you from earning money or gaining products today? Probably access the companies. Maverick Sports Consulting can connect those dots for you. We believe in the power of athletes making a living off of their own likeness while going to college. If it's simply that you don't have access to companies, don't let that keep you from being successful. Contact us at Maverick Sports Consulting so we can help you navigate your path to the to gaining corporate sponsorships for your collegiate career. And an athlete's earnings potential is limited. Why wait until tomorrow to start earning today? It doesn't matter what sport you play. We help our clients achieve their goals. Just contact us, Maverick Sports Consulting. TikTok, the clock is ticking. All right, we're going to bring on Mr. Mike Riddleman, Director of Scouting and Player Personnel for the College Garage Showcase. David just called him. Part of the 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 hat-back crew. Part of the hat back crew. No, oh, geez. three for three hat back crew. Oh my gosh. And we're bringing on Gino. On. Gino, oh, I believe last look name at this is beautiful Cam- sight Cam- here. Three Cam- for three. Cam- three you got you it, Ryan. Camillary, yes, sir. So Gino Bam. is also one of the scouts for the College Ground Showcase, as well as one of the hosts of the Locked On Eagles, who the season just came to an end, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, <laughs> fellas, appreciate you guys. Um, Mike, I really apologize for David being so rude when you're behind the scenes. That was really uncalled for by him. Um, so I'm sorry. Apologize. Well, right. Before we start, before we start, David, I have your back. Now, David, now, did you ever go to an all-star event? Like, uh, like Senior Bowl, Shrine. But I commute you. I commute NFLPA. You. Hold on. Go on, David. Let me ask you this. I know what you're going to say. When, <laughs> when you showed up to the field and you saw someone wearing moccasins, did you take that person seriously? Never in my life. 
Okay. David, Your co-host you today. Yes. Can I tell you a story, David? Can I tell you I'm a story? I'm just saying, like, if I showed up to a field and someone had moccasins <laughs> on and they were coming up to talk to me, I would, I'd, I'd be like, you know, I, I don't hear so good. <laughs> Your co-host did that. David. David, so why would you even put moccasins in the golf bag? Like, so, why would there be moccasins in the Can I tell bag? you? Can I tell you the story real quick? Can you allow okay, me to speak now? All right. <laughs> so I was I was leaving for the plane. Okay. I got on the plane. I wore moccasins because you always have to take off your shoes on the to get onto the plane. Okay. So I was what are you two? Dude, shut up for a minute. Let me finish. Okay. So I'm doing this. When I get to the I, I took a connecting flight, right? I come in. My so bag there's multiple airports that saw you in moccasins? <laughs> Two, yeah. I don't care, dude. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed at all of it. It's fine. Holy anyway. like Two. Anyway. You, there, you weren't wearing Mavs gear when you were flying, were you? I had a Mavs shirt at one point, yeah. Oh, my and moccasins? Yeah. <laughs> I wore, I wore my uh, my stuff I wore to bed on the plane ride, you know. So my mask. Oh, sweet. oh that now we at least know where the map <laughs> comes in. It never comes to the show. It goes to bed every night. I love it. Okay. Yeah, it's fantastic. Man. I'm anyway, loving life right now. Keep going. So my so my my bag got stuck on another flight, David. I didn't get that bag for two days after yeah, that. Okay. Don't plan ahead. So, yeah, keep going. How was I, how would I plan ahead? What, what, that doesn't make any don't sense. Put moccasins in your bag. How about that? <laughs> wear tennis shoes that you can slip on and off. Become uh, a pre-check. TSA pre-checks a lifesaver. Let me ask you a question now, David. Let me ask you, and we're getting sidetracked here. I would like to talk about the Outdrive Showcase in a second. But, David, have you ever eaten a salad without dressing? Without dressing? Yeah. No, I had dressing. At 11.45 on a Friday night. Would you lemon on it? What, did you just drink a little lemon on it? No, 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 I have a good excuse compared to Ryan's moccasin incident. Oh, he's got uh, a good excuse. He's, he's deflecting, but seriously, we need to approach this whole conversation a different way. Moccasin boy and sa- and dry salad kid, you know, we we can't be having this kind of this kind of you know outward projection of personal issues here. All right, like well, moccasin boy, you need to have regular tennis shoes you can slide on and off. <laughs> okay, I mean, or own a prayer of Crocs. I mean, Crocs are worse than but moccasins. Oh, oh, like, I don't wear the moccasins out of the house. Yeah. And then second, dry salad boy. It's okay to put a little Italian vinegar out. I, I had blue cheese. I had blue cheese. I had blue cheese. That well, you have blue cheese crumble? No, the actual blue cheese dressing. That doesn't count. It doesn't count, David. It doesn't blue cheese dressing counts, Ryan. I mean, that's a false scouting report. Well, nah, right the one sal- no, no. So he ate a lot of salads because he's watching his figure while we're down. Okay, I don't want. I don't want to hear about another guy I, tossing oh salad. Goodness. Okay, I'm really over that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't toss it. So, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm. I mean, we're on here to talk sports, Ryan. Don't take us to the gutter. I know. Well, Mike, it's Mike's fault because he started talking about something completely different than sports. So this is. All you started talking about your moccasins on a football field. That's closer <laughs> than called, eating salad. You started talking about him not being qualified when he wasn't on, and then he decided to oh, I about anger something else onto me for some way. reason. I know. Meanwhile, Gino's just sitting down there. He hasn't done anything wrong, and he has to be subjected to this idiocracy. <laughs> well, he's a I lived fan, it for, so he's just, he's subjected to idiocracy every week. So yeah, that's just the way it goes. That's a low blow, man. At least give me 72 <laughs> hours to recover after that. Fuck that. <laughs> I got friends who work for the team. They were getting blown up while the game was going on. You're lucky I didn't have your phone number. <laughs> Ryan, don't give it out. Because uh, yeah, I was blowing uh, their asses up as the game's going on. Like, you guys didn't know this was going to happen? You didn't know they were going here? 
Like your and your defensive coordinator is up for all these damn jobs, and he couldn't stop a cold. Like God bless him. Hopefully he goes right. <laughs> That's the whole. While I'm, while I'm getting, I mean, yeah, you would have been better covering your mouth with a fucking N95 mask than what freaking <laughs> coverage you guys had. Jonathan Gannon, dude, it's such a joke. My God. All right, that's another conversation, though. I can't believe that he's getting head coaching up um, interviews. Oh, he's not getting um, one. Um, all right. Anyway, Mike, why don't we start with you, sir? Uh, now Hi. that we were kind of back on 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 track, I think I don't know. Now that he's got me right all now. fired up and wound up, yeah, ready to go for some reason. Um, Mike, you're you've been the director of player personnel and and uh, scouting now for the College Ground Showcase. Why, why did your voice get lower when you said that? Why, why did your voice get lower when you said that? Right? Yeah, yeah. You got a kind of a job, right Mike. There, yeah. In your experience. <laughs> In your experience now, many years. I mean, you've basically been there since the inception, almost. Uh, the almost, but not not almost. quite. But nice not try. Quite. No, but he he was there when the condom broke. Go ahead. It wasn't it wasn't an insult. Anyway, Mike, with your vast amount of experience, just very well seasoned in this department, how would you how would you quantify the 2022 College Ground Showcase as a scout, as a director of player personnel? As a coach at the event, how do you feel the events went this year, sir? Well, Ryan, I'm going to talk in normal tone so I don't make the conversation my normal tone. My normal tone. Okay, so uh, I truly think this is one of our one of our best rosters. I, I can honestly say that um, the talent overall uh, was very impressed by it, especially up front, the O line and D line. I mean, you can just see by the crowd of people going and watching one-on-one pass rush, inside run. I, I think that was the the, the ticket of, of the event right there and watching that that unfold. Mm-hmm. I, I, would, um, I would definitely put my hand up in agreement there. I would say – I even told you before, right, we, start, we um, got down there, Mike. Like, I thought the offensive line had several draftable potential players. I thought the defensive line had some, uh, had some good players, obviously. Um, Gino, let's do some player talk here. Let's do some player talk. You give me one person that in, in, um, impressed you, and then I'll come back to Mike. Who was a player, and just kind of break him down a little bit that you feel like had a good week? Sticking with the defensive line, I, I think there's a, a boatload of guys that you could choose from, but I have to stick with one of the guys that I scouted to get to the event, Kevin Adkins, this kid coming out of Fresno State. Big interior defensive lineman. He really excels at that three-tech position. And just seeing a human being, being five feet away from him, get off the line as well as he did consistently against those offensive linemen that you were talking about, Ryan, especially on the interior. There were some big boys. There were some dogs on that interior, that offensive line. And when they did one-on-ones, when they did those inside run drills that Mike was talking about, he was consistently there. But, I mean, you could go down that defensive line and – I mean, the guys like Deshaun John, uh, I mean, DeAndre Johnson from uh, Miami. And then you look at Luigi Villain from Purdue and just keep I mean, going. Just, I mean, just take, my, just take mine. No, I'm not, I'm not taking them all. It's I right. just want to give the guys their credit. No, it's your show. I forgot. Mike, Mike, you put Go the ahead, whole roster together, man. You know everybody. Come on. Yeah, it's your show, Gina. I forgot. Uh, how are the Eagles, by the way? Ah, uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, so, same, same as the Pittsburgh Steelers, my friend. Don't worry. Oh, solid point. They had to sneak in the back door to get in, like, through the kitchen window. Your guys walked in, like, brazen, like you had a chance, and then you got smoked. So, <laughs> David, David, we don't talk ill of uh, Pittsburgh around here anyway. I talk I ill of whatever I want. It's my damn show. <laughs> Fuck. Really good point. Okay. Well, anyway, before Gino st- <laughs> t- 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 talked about half the roster, 
I would say three guys. Yeah, pick one player here. <laughs> three of three hundred. We have three, three of three hundred. Uh, so I'll, I'll go on the offensive line. I'll, I'll I'll say Lewis Kidd from Montana State. I mean, showing the versatility to play guard and tackle at a high level. Uh, getting an NFLPA invite after after the our event. Um, just really, and then coming off a national championship game, he came there on Saturday after he played the same day. Went through interviews, went through practice. I mean, that showed a lot. Um, just having the versatility to play at two different positions at a high level, that, that's what really stood out to me. Yeah, and the two guys that you mentioned there briefly, each of you guys had two – we had two players, David, at the event get NFLPA invites for their performances. One was DeAndre Johnson, defensive end out of Miami, was a former Tennessee transfer, as well as Lewis Kidd from Montana State offensive tackle. Now, wait a minute. You told me there was going to be a, like a 5-6 technique guy that's about 300 pounds. You remember oh, we are uh, – Will Miles? Will Miles from Central Methodist. Yeah, what did he wind up? Oh, no, or, you, oh no, no. You were talking about Elijah Garcia from, from Rice. I think that's who you were talking about. So, yes, he was – I there. think Elijah did well too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Elijah showed uh, his length. I mean, the great separation. Longer uh, arms than I thought too, David. He measured in almost 35 inches on his arm length. At remember, that's what we were talking about. Yeah. We were talking about how he was going to look and if he was going to be able to move around on the line to show his versatility between a four, five, six, you know, maybe Three. a little four-eye look uh, yeah. for him to help him uh, with his versatility. Um, and then uh, I was also kind of curious. You guys had talked about – it was the Montana State offense alignment, but there was another – um, hybrid. I want to say he was a tight end H bag receiver style kid that we were talking about in the first show that um, had some interesting size to him. Well, let me look that one up, Mike. I know you were giving a little context on Elijah Garcia. So, just what, what again? What did you see from Elijah Garcia that got you excited during the event? I, I think number one was the length. Uh, he created the create separation off blocks. Um, he was. I mean, he was. He was long. He wasn't. He was lean, but he, you could still add another twenty to thirty pounds to him, and he'd be still have that athleticism to him. And like David was saying, uh, he's going to find his niche playing the interior of the defensive line at the next level. Four I in. Um, so, really, his length what stood out to me. His path pass rush, uh, you know, for being that big, I, I think he had a little variety to him. You know, so he, he had a little wiggle there. Could it improve? Yes, but that was surprising to me that he wasn't just a, a one-stop bull rush type of guy. Had had some a uh, nice little move set to him. And I like the Atkins kid out of Flor- out of Fresno State too, right? The big yes. boy. I, and being here mm-hmm. on the West Coast, I got to see him, you know, play a few times. And you're right, he's a big. I think he's kind of versatile player. Um, what would do you remember his measurements at all? Like, do you remember how yeah. long? Yeah. He was? I, so this this is a ballpark. I don't have it in front of me, but he was. I, I have it in front if you want it. Okay. Yeah, let's be let accurate. Guess, let's guess, let, me guess, let me guess first. Let me guess first. Ready, Mike? Let me guess. Ready? All I'm right. gonna say he was he was definitely like three twenty, but I'm gonna say he was six three and three eighths. No, I'm sorry, six two and three eighths, three twenty with thirty three inch arms. That's my guess. Uh, six two even, a three twenty one and thirty three and a little, little summon change on the arms. I was pretty close. I was, I was yeah. in the ballpark. I like Ten it. and okay. three eighths hands though. He's got some mitts on him, man. He's got some big hands and he's got some grip at the point of attack. That's for sure. Yeah, sure. yeah no, it would it would mm-hmm. be fun to watch him in certain defenses, like you know anything that has um, Wink Martindale involved. That kid would probably excel really well at. Um, even if he were to go to what they're doing in uh, Cincy this year 
or Green Bay. Those teams would really be fun mm-hmm. to watch them, uh, and they know how to utilize them too. Well, I would love to hear it maybe <clears throat> to both of you guys real quick. Let's stick with Atkins for a second because he was a guy when I watched, like, I, I may I may have been the one that nominated him. I can't remember, but, like, I really liked uh, – I was Eugene. I'm sorry. Okay, I, I tried to take your thunder. Um, so, anyway, he was a guy that at Fresno State, Fresno State runs an odd front. So, he's doing a lot of two-gapping. He's, mm-hmm. he's holding point of attack a ton. I thought he was a pretty good athlete, though. I felt like he's a guy that you can kind of take the shackles off, play a little at three-tech, and let him get some penetration. Did you guys see similarly in one-on-one pass rush? You I did. Go first, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I did. I, I think um, he had a, a it, same with Garcia. I think he had a, more of a move set than we all thought he would have coming from the defense he was playing at Fresno, um, and then just his responsibilities in that defense. But I, I for his size, I thought he moved well. Uh, just overall, I thought he moved well. I thought it wasn't like a total shock how well he moved, but. You know, uh, he's a consensus all-conference type of performer the last two years, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, so the, the production's there. And then as David uh, went to it, it's going to – he's a scheme-dependent type of guy. I mean, that, that's that's going to be right on the head. He's a scheme-dependent type of guy. Okay. And Gino, did you see the similar? Yeah, I actually went up to Wyoming and I caught them play live this year. Um, and he was coming off the ball quick there. And you see it on tape. You knew that he was going to explode off of the defensive line. And then to see him to do that in person and to see him come from that two-gap front, like you said, Ryan, they run that weird odd front there in Fresno and they still have an aggressive front. He still was able to get upfield relatively quickly. And just talk about a team like Philadelphia where they asked their guys to play gap and a half and he could just get through that gap and run defend, run blitz and just get after the quarterback when it matters. There's a reason he had so many tackles for loss. What reason he had so many ta- uh, sacks and pressures. He really got after it. And I think if you're going to add somebody that's 320 pounds, that's not just strictly a, a zero or a, a one shade type of guy that could get upfield as quickly as him. He's going to be very versatile in some schemes. And I'd like to see how far out you can get him in on defensive line and see where he can really utilize his uh his abilities because he does have that explosiveness and i think you're going to see him run a pretty good uh 10 10 yard split when we see him run at his pro day or the combine mm-hmm. yeah and solid length david i want to ask you this one speaking of length right so this this young man did not participate during the week he was an injured um an injury invite but i want to say an arm length to you david and you tell me in your many years of experience if you've ever heard anything like this because i haven't heard of anything like this before all right 37 and an eighth inch arms, Denzel Okafor from Texas, offensive guard, who's only like 6'3 and some change, dude. He's not mm-hmm. even. He's tell, not him even the, tell him the wingspan, too. Oh, wait, I'll look it up. What, the, what was it like? 86 and a half. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing you'll learn really quick about it. I give a fuck about a wingspan. I don't care. Um, I'm old school. We don't do that shit. Okay. So <laughs> you give me a Go hand on. arm. You give me a hand arm. 43 cone. I can make it work. I don't need all that other crap. That's all, and that's an all the fluff. Eight, sorry, 37 and an eighth. 37 and an eighth. You ever heard anything like that, dude? I've never seen that before. I've never seen anything above 36. I think the long, I was going to say the longest I've seen was 36. I don't think I've ever seen a 37. I think I, I, I can't recall a 30. I know I've seen a 36, but those and offense alignment with that long of a lever, man, yeah. that's going to be hard. I mean, 
That's that's a little too long. Interior offensive lineman, dude. That's weird, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. I've never seen anything uh, like that before. That's and, a little you know, too long. I mean, and he's only wow. six three. It doesn't like doesn't make any. That's not proportional at all. And it's I mean it, I I one hundred percent believe it is like very like obviously it's verified measurements. Like we had a former NFL scout do it right, but he did have like. When, when they did the Blesto measurements, I think, for the junior days, I think it was like 36 and 7 eighths. So, like, it was right in that ballpark. So, this dude's just got – never seen anything like this, man. Never seen it before. That's yeah, that's crazy. that's a long that's a long lever there for sure. You know, it's – uh, and being guard inside where you, everything happens so fast, yeah. he's you're, I would be worried about him getting the, the levers outside and then holding because, you know, that's going to be a natural position for him with them being so long – you know I think how he, he does have some tackle experience, if I'm not mistaken, like very a, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish that he would be a tackle because I don't mind a six three tackle with those kind of arms. Being frank with you, if he had range and footwork to play at tackle, then that I would be okay with it because he's got such long arms and he can he can move and work with his feet. But yeah. typically, those guards, as we all know, in the college lane, the reason they're guards, they don't have those feet in that range. So now that you have those long levers and you can't move your feet, that's going to be, that's going to be a hole just waiting to happen. So, you know, I'd be really cautious. I'd have to do a lot of film on him before I got comfortable with that. Just that's where measurements can work against you. Sometimes they work against you. And like for him being too long and, you know, kind of worked against him in my mind when I heard it. Mike, do you think like one, he only had like four fingers and like the other finger like popped up a little higher on like the middle finger like that? You know, do you think that happens possibly? Just I'm just trying to I figure mean, out how that. I mean, I would say grow up, Ryan, but you wore moccasins to a football uh, football <laughs> all star uh, game, so I'm just just gonna keep my mouth shut. All right, Mike. All right, it was just a joke, man. Can we take the? Well, joke? it was a horrible joke. No one laughed, but everyone's laughing in your moccasins. Chino, Chino, Chino was laughing, but it's all right. I saw him in the corner. All right, let's do this. Let's do this before I ask about a couple other particulars. This is a, this dude. This is a weird interview, by the way. This is really weird, David. You're not doing a great job. Don't, you're the only one making a weird moccasin, boy. <laughs> no, actually, Mike made it weird to start out with. I was going to be professional, and then he took a shot as soon as he got on. So, oh um, yeah, like we don't take shots all day long, and I'm not talking yeah, JMO. Yeah, never t- I never took a shot at anything, man. I never said a bad word about Nick Casario in my life. Um, let's go to <laughs> – I want to pick one offensive player for each person. I'll start it off here. Um, unfortunately, David, at the event, I was only able to see the Wranglers – I'm sorry, not the Wranglers group, the Marshalls group, um, the small school showcase. But I would say one player that did impress me was Robert Washington out of Valparaiso, a running back who actually did get bumped up during the week. I didn't know a ton about him, and then I looked him up, and he was actually an FBS kid that had transferred to Valpo. I forget what school he was at. I can look it up real quick. But he measured in 5'9 and some change, 219 pounds, so nice build, really physical lower half, and he did a good job the couple practices, both as an inside zone runner, really patient, very just he is able to kind of react he's got a lot of reactionary quickness running inside zone good burst but then he's working pass in uh the passing game surprised me man because he had like he had a decent amount of production i think he had like 40 catches his last year which is nice but like running some choice routes running some option routes i thought he did a really nice job he looked natural in the passing game and then he was a guy again that got elevated during the week so I'm excited about Robert Washington. I actually have an interview scheduled with him tomorrow because I was very impressed by what he showed during the week. 
Going to go to Gino. Offensive player. Could be offensive lineman. Could be skill. Who's a guy that maybe stood out to you a little bit? Uh, I'm going to go to the skill position, and I'm going to go to being a five foot eight kid, somebody who's shorter than me and has the chance to play in the National Football League. Devin Tompkins out of Utah State. He Say the could... measurables. Tell tell David the measurables. All right, Let's Devin Tompkins, fifty sixty six, so five foot six and six eighths of an inch, hundred fifty three pounds, mm-hmm. thirty and a half inch arms, and eight and three quarter inch hands. So he's not led, the biggest led, guy in the world. Led college football in receiving though this year, like sixteen hundred yards. Go ahead, James. I know this kid. Like I said, I, I I Utah State was one of my spots. I saw him when he was young coming in, and I was like. Because he was so little, but yeah, I know. Yeah, and and seeing these guys move, obviously, when you do a one on one, it's a routes on air type of thing with the quarterback, and it's just you have one cornerback, you have one wide receiver. It's built for the wide receiver to win, but to see him move, he legitimately moved in a phone booth, probably like fifteen different directions in the space of like a yard and a half. And me and Jose, the director of the of CGS, sat there later on that day, and he said, did anybody see that kid Devin Tompkins move in that one drill today? And I said, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. He went probably back and forth in front of this defensive back, just dancing this kid out of this, out of this universe at five foot six, and he's going to be able to do that and transfer it to the next level. And he's a kick returner, and he's a punt returner. I don't care what his size is when he has that ability to move laterally because you get him the ball in space and look at a guy who got drafted as highly as Tutu Atwell did last year at his size. I'm not saying he's going to be a second-round pick, but, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, but. You don't want to talk like Tutu with me. I'm not a Tutu fan. No, so. that's what I'm just saying. Teams are more <laughs> progressive in that area now that height, weight, and speed isn't all like a end-all, be-all type of thing. Because if you saw him move, you, you definitely saw the twitch in his game, and there just wasn't a little bit of it. It was a lot of twitch to his game. No, I agree I, with you. I, I, I watched see a lot that. of Utah State this 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 season. Mm-hmm. Again, being in Arizona, I catch their games late. Right, yeah. we're up, we'll watch them. So I I know exactly as soon as you mentioned his name, oh, I know who you're talking about. And mm-hmm. plus, Utah State was a, a school of mine when I was on the road for the Panthers. So I got to see him when he, like I said, he was a young buck out on the field, and I'm like, mm-hmm. who is this guy, the water boy? And yeah, he's, out yeah there, he's not much, and he's doing things like he's got great, great, really good quickness to start. My my concern with him is two things really: is the hand size being so small, and and the weight. Being mm-hmm. under a sub seven, uh, 75, 175 guy, you know, to me, that's a concern. I, I like guys that are over 175. Be, and it doesn't matter height because, you know, Maurice Jones Drew obviously, you know, broke broke that mold back in his day when he came out at five foot six and uh, or five foot, was he five, six and a half or five, seven, just barely, right? Well, um, Sproles was like, like five, five and some change, so he's even smaller, yeah, right. But Maurice came out first, and I remember at the, at the combine, they didn't have the height chart down to five, six yet, okay? It stopped at five, eight. So when he got up there, they literally had to put a piece of tape and measure it and have him step off the stage, then come back. I was so there and watched it happen, right? And everybody was embarrassed because people were like, why didn't we think of this before he stood up here, right? And then the following years, it went down to 5'5". Five, five. I think they dropped it down to 5'5 five, five now. So, But my whole point is, is that it's that 175 mark because it is a big person game and you have to be thicker 
to take the hits at the next level. You're not talking about 18 and 19 year old kids, 20 year old kids hitting you. There's a 35 pound man that's been playing for 12 years. That's going to hit this kid when he comes across the middle. Can he take that hit and survive Mm -hmm. it is, is the one that I start worrying about. I agree with you with his quickness, his agility, his ability to change direction on a dime and in a phone booth, lose a paper bag. Like it's gone. Right. But when, when it comes to that hit, that's where my that and then the hand size because on cold weather games, as we all know, balls get really kind of you know heavier, and you get a Pat Mahomes throwing a bullet to you across the middle. That ball, that ball is like a freaking rock coming at you, and with a smaller hand, you could break a finger real easy. His hands are actually a little bigger than I thought they were, David. I'm looking at the official measurements, eight and three quarters. I actually expect it to be a little smaller than that. It's Close to nine. It's not too bad, honestly. It's okay. I have a nine exact, and I know how small my hand is. So, <laughs> I mean, for wide receivers, that's not bad though. Like that's that's the threshold for quarterbacks, you know, nine inches. But I'm just throwing that out there, man. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, Mike, your last guy, Sam Thompson. You're gonna throw him out there. Or you got somebody different. He did, he did, he did have a good week. I will say that at fullback. Tell no. tell tell David about Sam Thompson real quick, and then we we'll move on. I mean, to he was a wrecking ball at fullback. <laughs> So, David, Sam Thompson, I'll tell the story since Mike doesn't want to go in depth here, okay? Sam Thompson, center for Coastal Carolina, a center for Coastal Carolina, extremely undersized, was, I think, 5'9 and an eighth or something, and weighed in, what, like 300 pounds? So he's like 5'9 mm-hmm. and something, 300 pounds, and he got some reps at fullback, David, got some reps at fullback, and apparently, I didn't see it, I did not witness it, these two young, these two gentlemen did, obviously, Apparently he looked pretty good at fullback. So that's he the, uh, did. I mean, the ball skills need work, but the whole time, the whole time, David Brian's like, he can't be a fullback. He can't be a fullback. He can't be a fullback. I'm like, it's not exactly what I said. It's not exactly what I said. No, oh, okay. Well, take it as it may be. But and um, and we we get an inside run, and my man's knocking some heads back. And I'm like, oh, where's Ryan? Oh, wait, he had to go home and take his moccasins home. But. <laughs> He took his moccasins and went home before the fullback drill. Good, 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 good. Way to scout. Um, but no, I, I mean, some, I, I some have to get my like life family and, and, my, and work, you know? No big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's sure. in your moccasins. So, yeah. um, but when it comes to like fullbacks, I think a center at fullback makes a lot of sense when it comes to blocking team and special teams. Oh, you know, if, if they can make, make it now, the 300 pounds, you know, I'll. You know, you, you got to give me a, a 275, maybe 280, and I can, we'll I get, can get on board. Because we'll we'll like, you need a little bit more athleticism to play the to play the position than 300. And it's very rare to be able to play that position at that big. You know, has it happened? Yes. But at 300, that's just a big bill to carry around. Well, thank you, David. Uh, before I was rudely interrupted by Ryan, um, I actually have two guys on offense that stood out to me on the O-line. Uh, one is Jason Poe from Mercer, guard. And then uh, Xavion Z- Furcrone, uh, another guard center out of Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, Poe, I, I mean, both of them, their, their, their strength was phenomenal to watch. Um, I saw Xavion's uh, one arm stun a guy in one-on-one pass rush. I was like, Ooh, wow. And he also played D-tackle. Uh, Poe, the same thing, strong as an ox. I, I, I think he was going against um, – Rayshon Nichols and uh, uh, the one the uh, on a Tuesday, and he just sat and anchored uh, with fluid. I mean, there was definitely a, a little bit of a height difference, but I think Poe coming in at 6'1", 300, and just his overall athletic ability at guard, I mean, that, uh, that's something to watch. 
So David, now with his name being hold on, hold on, hold on, with his name being Poe, was there any foresight of getting him a Kung Fu Panda shirt? (laughs) No, there was not. There was not. You guys dropped the fucking ball on that. I mean, his name is Poe, and he's a guard. Like, how did you not show? How was that not in his bag? A Kung Fu Panda shirt should have been in his bag. I thought you were going Edgar Allan Poe or something there for a second. I don't know. No, no. (laughs) Kung Fu Panda Poe. He's a guard. Kung Fu Panda's a panda. Like, come on, man. (laughs) Can we we go in depth on these two guys for a second, David? I want to give you some background. Oh, sure. Dig it out. Let's go. All right. So we actually had, before the events, we had a roster reveal show where Jason Poe, who who Mike just talked about a little bit, 6'1", 300, Mercer. He was a transfer from Lenore Ryan, if I remember correctly. And at 6'1", 300, David. Ryan, do you know where Lenore Ryan is? um, I believe it is in – yes, give me a second. I believe it is in South Carolina. No? Am I wrong? Uh, North Carolina, I thought. North North Carolina. Carolina. Okay, I I, I said Carolina. That's all I need. All right, anyway. Why are you doing that to me right now? I'm trying to tell you a story. <laughs> Two different states. They're right next to each other, brother. Right next to each other. They both share a, a word, a similar word in their name as well. Anyway, 6'1", 300, David. Apparently going to run in the four eights, 300 pounds. Pretty good number, if I say so myself. Yeah, you Don't could run in four eight right now if you tried. I'm not. Why are you doing this to me right now? Why are you doing it? Because I have fun doing it to each and every and the week. Last Here on Mav Sports Take. Xavion Furkrom. Southern Illinois guard David has a video of him, of him de- uh, squatting 800 pounds. So just throwing that one out there. 800. It's a pretty good number. It's a pretty good number, man. It's a good number. Now he's a squatty dude. He's only like 5'11 and something. So like. I was going to say, you know, you don't have long legs if you're squatting 800. That's too far nah. to travel. How did he look at defensive line drills, Mike? I think he did. He did okay. I mean, nothing special. I think he's definitely. Well, the story I heard was he was originally he originally started at defensive tackle in college, actually started there and then moved over to offensive line based on a need. So I mean, he did both. Uh, like I said, I think offensive line fitted suited him better. Um, but he he had a little wiggle to him at D tackle. But I mean, definitely a center guard type though at the next level. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and then I think the last thing that I just want to get you guys' perspective on, um, maybe another takeaway outside of, the, obviously, the on-field. Obviously, I think, uh, Mike, if I remember correctly, 30 of 32 NFL teams represented, over 120 scouts. So just how was the rest of the event as far as the seminar series that we ran, a bunch of different things, the ability for them to sit in and talk to the scouts, meetings, all that type of stuff. Like what were maybe a couple highlights outside of on the field? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our uh, scouting interns did a phenomenal job there. Uh, there was about 21 of them. Uh, the seminars are all, always key. Brendan Tracy's there. Uh, Stacy Elliott, who is Ezekiel Elliott's dad, spoke to the parents as well. Um, you know, Will Shields was in attendance. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, so I mean, that, that's awesome. As is, he was there for the first uh, first night or two, I think, and. Uh, yeah, I think overall, I think our staff did phenomenal. Um, everything just ran smooth this year. Uh, the weigh-ins, you know, arm arm and hand. I mean, the scouting room, I, I, I think it was another step up the ladder of CGS growing. Yeah, I sh- 
David, I shook Will Shield's hand, man. It was, what a great moment. What a great phenomenal moment. Hall of Famer. Hall Haven't of Famer, man. Since, One of the best guards to ever play the game right there. Haven't watched this hand since, David. Haven't watched it. Um, <laughs> we watched his moccasins. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Mike, say one more thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. What are you going to do? Tell me he didn't. He had a dry me. salad again? Come on. Wait, wait on. All right. Gino, tell me about the, some highlights on your week aside. Well, hold from on your... here. Let me say this. I mean, I got what? a question because I want to ask. I want. I want to ask this one. Who was the best quarterback you guys had down there? Who was the best quarterback that you guys had down? There? Mm. I'm going with Miller. Miller, the, the Whitewater kid. I thought he he was at the top of the group, man. Uh, just the he model. had some plays that made you perk your eyebrows. Up. Yeah, so I mean, what, I, so what you're saying is the quarterbacks weren't very good. I never said that. I just said he was one of the top ones. And I said I asked who was the best quarterback was Ryan. Okay, Jokes go ahead. Here. I'm sorry, Max Miller. So, go ahead. Good. I'm sorry. So he was out of Whitewater. How, what was his yeah. size of measurements? Let's see. Uh, Max was 60, 24. So six foot two and a half, 216. Hand, nine inches. Arm, 32 inches. And then wing, 78 and one half. Interesting. And you said he made some good throws out there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that the one throw I, I had, I was recording it. I was standing right behind him and they fumbled a snap. It was a bad exchange in the shotgun, uh, the quarterback center relationship. And I stopped recording, and he picks up the ball, had his back completely to the plate, flips his hip, sets his feet, and hits this skinny post route like he never even batted an eye. And it was just impressive to see because the series before that, there was a run play, a stretch run, where he's 25 yards down the field in the scrimmage blocking for this guy. And I know when you look at these players, the quarterbacks in particular, you want to see them finish out their mo- their movements, especially in the, the play action, and, and to see them carry out everything in the run. And this guy is 25 yards downfield, blocking his butt off. The play where he fumbles it, he doesn't stop the play. He gets his eyes upfield, and he's just got constantly competing. And you want to see a guy in Division Three and Joe Douglas, who when he was with the Eagles, he had a quote that said, a player in small school – do they flash three out of every four plays? And basically, does that equate to him fitting in in the next level? Because if he flashes three out of four plays at that level, he's probably going to fit in with the guys up top. And I thought Max fit in with those quarterbacks like the Beaudries of the world from Idaho and the rest of the guys that were Division One prospects. He really didn't look out of the group at all. Mike, do you have an awesome quote ready for us like that? That was well said, you know. That was really well I appreciate said. that. That was really good. Did you have another guy you know that you went throughout? I know that was Mike's guy, though, Miller. Um, I'll just say in in the whole experience of it, I, I love the, the vastness of prospects that we can really look at here with the ability to bring 300 guys down. And it's like, oh, let's just bring 12 guys from Canada that are probably going to be picked in the top two rounds of their respective draft. And and that's just a subsection of what we do at CGS. And then we have this small school showcase. And then we have our top showcase where we have another 200 players. We're really filling, I would say, a need for leagues like the XFL and the USFL that are coming back and need this group of individuals that are going to be in that priority free agent, undrafted free agent field that – yeah, they want to continue their dream and want to get tape. CGS is the first spot because if you look on Sundays, a player like Nate Hobb 
Hey, Nate Hobbs, for example, or Cole, the punter for the Raiders. Both of those guys started at CGS. And there's also guys in the CFL that were drafted in the top in the first round last year from CGS. We fill a niche to get players, I would say, looks by basically every league that has a need for good football players that might be at the cusp of the NFL, and we might get 12 guys drafted like we did last year. But, hey, this is one of the most popular sports in the United States. Why not give a big subsection of players to the scouts to say, hey, maybe you guys missed somebody, and maybe there is a diamond in the rough that we can find for you. This guy's done a couple podcasts in his lifetime, David. He's done a couple podcasts, man. Well spoken, right? Only eight hundred of them, man. This is my third so, of the day, too. Again, <laughs> going back to David's question, what quarterback stood out? I had to answer his half first question. Book? This is this is what I do. Dude, I had to go. Well, let me ask. You know, let, let me let me preface this for a second. Let me preface this. We uh, so we spoke to someone who is I forget the gentleman's name, you know, but you introduced me to him that does a lot of stuff covering CFL, covering JC Abbott, players. yes sir, JC Abbott. So he was talking to us about a quarterback that we had there, Trey Ford, David. Oh yes, Trey. Wild. I would say Trey Ford is my number one. There's my answer okay. right there. Right. Two hours later, we have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, he asked me how the that only took right? seven and a half fucking oh, minutes. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm going to let Gino give context to Trey Ford in a second, David. All I'll say is we, I had a conversation with him about Canadian-born quarterbacks and if there is a, usually a transition that happens. He said that that's a pretty rare thing. Usually you get the Americans come to play quarterback, obviously a right. paramount position. But yeah. apparently this Trey Ford kid might be good enough to change that a little bit. He's a Canadian-born quarterback who apparently might be good enough to be a quarterback at the CFL level. So, so Gino, tell me well, what you saw from Trey A couple Ford. years ago, there was a kid that we all thought that was going to be the case. And then, you know, he, 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 he had a good workout. He had started his career at Penn State, and then he left Penn State and he finished up in, uh, you know. O'Connor. In, yeah, O'Connor. Yeah. Um, you know, we thought he was going to be the next great Michael Canadian. Michael O'Connor. Yeah. And then. Oh, uh, Penn State guy. Of course, they, uh, of course. Uh, Where's Mike knows him? That's Mike. I'm David. That's Mike. I got his name. I'm sorry. This is Mike. Got his hat on backwards. I have a fish over my head. I mean, it's not hard to identify us. So, um, but I mean, we both got great beards, but you know, whatever. Um, So, you know, but yeah, we thought that was the case. But you know, American quarterbacks just they come up different. You know, there it's just in the weather down here and all the camps and all the stuff they go through. It's just it's just a different thing. I'm not saying there are never is going to be a, a Canadian born quarterback that's going to make it happen. That's there what will I'm be. You said I'm going to put that on Twitter that you said that. Go ahead. I don't care. You think I care? Twitter Twitter all away. The whole damn I'll, podcast I'll on, is going up I'll, tomorrow. I'll put it on Freaking TikTok, man. I'll put it on TikTok. <laughs> it's live on TikTok right now. They can so hear me right it. now. Yes, they can hear you. So, I don't care. Um, but that all being said. Um, I just don't I, I haven't watched for it, so I can't say it's not him or anything. But they did change the rules. What I was getting to is they changed the rules a, a couple years back that it used to be quarterbacks didn't count towards your um your uh, ratio, but now they do. So now if you do get a Canadian quarterback, that really helps your ratio. Big bonus, big bonus. Mm-hmm. Now, Gino, what I asked you 10 minutes ago now, how did Trey Ford look? I'm sorry, I won't answer your questions. I'll just ignore them from now on. But no, Trey Ford looked good. His brother Tyrell Ford was also a defensive back. What's wrong, Michael? That I like to expound on this experience that we just oh, had at CGS. That it was great. Come on, Mitch, expound. I mean, they're on the kid. wrong side of PA. That's why. Is, That's what it is. This is not South Allegheny County. Come on. I mean, it's only an hour program, Gina. But go ahead. <laughs> and we're already in bonus time. 
So, you know. We are. We are. All right. Trey Ford, I would say that if he was going to change this whole narrative and what is that Canadian quarterbacks cannot play in this game, it's going to be tough because he is five foot 11 and a half. But the thing is, his arm strength and his athleticism are for real. He has that whistle on his throws. And when they got into that scrimmage mode where he could display his quickness, I know, I think Ryan put it in one of his articles or maybe JC Abbott from uh, um, the podcast we were just talking about, put it in his, but he can scoot. I think he'll run probably four, four, five. I would say he really can get after it. He's got a thick lower half and he, he just has a zip on this ball. It was a difficult adjustment to the 11 man game, obviously coming from the university of Waterloo where they do play 12 men, even in college up there. And he's going to have to get used to that, but he should get a workout. He should be in an NFL camp simply based on that arm strength alone. It was impressive to see. How tall is he? From, uh, five, one, one, four. Yeah. That's what's going <laughs> to kill you say anything? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a secret. Just letting you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, hey, I, I'm, not in a, I'm not in a building. I don't have to sign the guy. I got him to CGS. Yeah. That's all that matters. No, so you, yes. you, Gino, gone to CGS. Collectively, Mike. Oh, my goodness. So I have to be, if we live in semantics, we'll be here all night. My goodness, oh, Mike. I mean, we already are all. Niche everything. All the air was filled with here. The air was filled with competition, how Gino likes to go on a podcast. <laughs> Well, no, I love how – no, I will say this. Gino so far got Atkins from Fresno State there, got this kid from Waterloo there uh, tonight. He, he's responsible. Atkins was my – I will say – line my, production down there. No, no. So Mike is the offensive really line put guy. This roster together. I will give Mike credit. And, he had, he got Sokol there the whole week. Sokol got bumped up. He was his guy from the beginning, and Josh Sokol had a very impressive week. Out the of one thing you'll learn when you're on a scouting staff, they're all our guys when they're in our building. Oh, it doesn't absolutely. matter who put the report on the table and who put their schmeckle on the table to make them get there. The Once they're there, they're all our guys. <laughs> Can you That's define what a schmeckle is real quick? <laughs> What's the that? The Showcase brought to you by Gino Camilleri. <laughs> <laughs> you well, know, I thought I was being nice coming on here and seeing Oh, you were doing us a favor. No, I was doing – it was Mike. I, I have no you know, problem. I, appreci I appreciated your presence, I, even if everybody else didn't. I appreciated I it. No. I appreciate I, it. I, hey, it's been fun. As you can tell, Ryan and I get on here. We bust chops. We have a good time. We we laugh <sighs> we have, and we make That's we make the business That's we make the business of, of sports a little bit more fun uh, in between our tirades. Um, you know, Ryan completely bastardizing our, re our, re our relationship with the Texans tonight. I don't think, uh, I don't think Brian Kelly's coming on anytime soon after what I said about Brian Kelly. So, you know, it's the way and we were. Mike's not coming on again either after you insulted him. To oh, are you kidding me? Mike's well. totally co-hosting with me. You, you're, you're, That's you're going to, you know, I'm need done. a night off. I'll call Mike up. You know, the, the beard twins will take over. It'll be good. Who's, who's, who's going to do Wonder the Wonder twin powers activate. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, Mike won't be wearing Mike, Mike might be in a salad, but he won't be wearing moccasins. I guarantee that. I'll take I'll take that. I'll take that. Even though I have a healthy dinner. dressing. At least I'll have a dressing. Sorry. Uh, That's right. I got a big old burrito waiting for me. I'm excited. Okay. Well, I, I think on that note, we should bid adieu, as Gina would say. Bid adieu to our <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that on one of my Hold on. Shows. You need another half hour for Gina just to say goodbye. <laughs> Well, Mike Riddleman, appreciate you as always, my friend. Gino, appreciate you as always as well. 
It was a great event. You guys did a fantastic job. All joking aside for a second. Thank you guys both much, so much for popping on for a few minutes. Appreciate you guys for having us. Appreciate you. Thank you guys. All right. We are popping them off, David. My God, that was Gino just won't go away. He's like, no, I can't take them off. There he is. Oh, we came back on. Oh, that was weird. That was our weirdest segment of all time. That was. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to question your moccasin game here. I mean, that's. It's not a moccasin. Questionable, game. questionable fashion sense, right there. Not a moccasin game. Thank you all for popping in with us again. Mass Force Take episode 71. Make sure to like, share, subscribe. 73, by the way, but go ahead. What did I say? 71. 73. <laughs> Mass Force Take episode 73. You're on Muslim Sports Talk, business side of sports. We appreciate you all. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, give us a rating, give us a review. Thank you all so much again for the consistent, consistent um, support in our podcast endeavors. From Ryan Roberts and David Turner at Mav underscore sports. Thank you all so much. We'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy the next round of playoff football. Go Rams. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.